0: Hello and welcome to Who's on the Mat with me, Liz Daffin. Hello and welcome to Who's on the Mat with me, Liz Daffin, and Anya Briley Lang. Welcome back, Anya, because it's this is not the first time we have had a chat on a podcast. This is actually the third time you were my second guest on the podcast, which is amazing. And the last time we spoke was two years ago. So welcome back. I'm sure you've got lots to tell us about what you've been up to over the last couple of years.
1: <laughs> Thank you so much. And
0: yeah, I can't believe it's two years because a lot
1: has happened. And yet it feels very two years is a long time, but... Yeah, it's gone quick and a lot of things has been going on since then and we're kind of out of lockdown. And um yeah, new beginnings and different beginnings.
0: Brilliant. Amazing. So yeah. Oh, It's just it is so strange it is two years ago and we were talking about being in lockdown we were very much in the middle of the pandemic and um, it feels like we've jumped out of the frying pan into the fire in some ways but yes I understand you have um, you've been working on a very special project which wasn't even an idea the last time we spoke so just incredible to hear that you've had this project so would you like to tell us a little bit about this project that you've had? Yes, absolutely. It
1: is definitely a lockdown project. And I have written a book, which is coming out on the 21st of December this year, and so 22. And I'm really, really excited about it. I think I always wanted to write. And this specific topic has kind of been brewing in the background because it is something I've been teaching and working on and doing workshops on for a while. So the book is called teaching yoga from uh, for the minstrel cycle from an ayurvedic perspective
0: Fantastic.
1: so it is yeah. about teaching yoga or yoga practice um, and all around the menstrual cycle but looking at it from an ayurvedic point of view it's not exclusively ayurvedic because i think most of us well most of us don't really know much about the minstrel cycle But if we do know anything, it's from the Western perspective. And Mm. I do think it's quite interesting just to build the bridges between kind of Western science and how we speak about Western science or hormones, our body and physiology, and then link that to both to yoga and
0: to Ayurveda as well. Very exciting. We take it for granted the knowledge that we already have sometimes, and we don't yeah. always realise that other people might not know about periods or menstrual yeah. cycles, and, and there's so many different names for it as well. <laughs> <laughs> so, you, the idea behind it, you've wanted to write for a long time. What made you kind of think, right? I'm, I'm going to do this.
1: Well, I think that it is like a long build-up because you know I love Ayurveda. I've studied it for a long time. Uh, I practice it as a on myself and seeing clients. And and for me, Ayurveda just makes sense. Especially if you practice yoga or you're a yoga teacher, there's so many links that it just makes sense. And um, so that's kind of been there and brewing in the background. And I think there's so much more awareness about our cycles now than Mm. there was, you know, even 10 years ago or 20 years ago. And When I think about, you know, my own sex education or kind of the knowledge around the cycle was just literally, you know, if you get your period, it means you're not pregnant. So that was kind of the whole minstrel cycle was just about whether you had a period or not, which meant you would be pregnant or not pregnant.
0: It's very black and white, isn't it?
1: (laughs) It's very black and white. And that was kind of it and luckily for me there wasn't any kind of taboo it wasn't like you know dirty or anything but it certainly wasn't anything amazing either you know there's it was just something that happened and um and i think it took a long time for me to kind of go okay we actually the our big changes through the cycle is not just about our periods that's not the whole thing you know we have faces every single month we go through and there are huge changes within those um different phases mm-hmm. and i think when i studied ayurveda it was like well in ayurveda we acknowledge that things and how we should eat or exercise or do things our routines are different in the morning compared to the evening it's different in the summer compared to the winter it's different when we are a child compared to when we become more mature so we change all the time and that change is within our menstrual cycle so why don't we do that you know why why are we not even acknowledging all these different phases and it's so powerful when we actually do it and so that was kind of my inspiration and i i guess i i kind of i have an online course on it I did several little workshops some workshops were very specific yoga some were not yoga at all but more the discussion of the awareness of our cycle uh, from ayurvedic perspective and I think I'm just I'm just fascinated by this absolutely incredible thing that happens to us for you know maybe 30 years of our lives and mm-hmm. then yet we many of us are just kind of completely ignoring it so that was kind of why i was like no this is the time to write about it you hear a lot of things and it's like no i, I want to really go deep and and do a proper education on it perfect
0: i think that sounds exciting um and like you say it's something that i've noticed and I've previous conversations i've had over the last couple of years is that um I don't know whether it's a generational thing as well, but um, having a period is not something that you celebrate. It's more of a uh, <laughs> it's like it's just a pain. Um yeah. and it, it can be a literal pain for some people or it's just an inconvenience um yes. for some people as well. And I think in the generation that I grew up in, and certainly in a work environment and in a school environment, um you're taught to be consistent a lot of the time. And certainly with ayurveda it's it was comfortable to talk about the cycles because i thought that's actually a really it's good to be to recognize that we're not all the same all of the time whether it's on a um an age basis or whether it's on a daily basis or a monthly basis so i think it's really good to have these conversations that enable us to be able to work to the best of our abilities at that moment in time to suit where our body and mind is at um yeah really good too Mm. and
1: it exactly that we are we are taught to be the same and even you know friends i have that practice yoga and are very kind of aware it will still be oh i'm so annoyed why are we like this and i just want to feel normal and the normal they refer to is generally the time just after their period and just around ovulation so it's you know a week, 10 days, 12 days that they feel normal um, because that's kind of how we, um, the world is very linear. It's a very like, we have to do the same every day. It's the same. The energy is the same. We have to be as productive all the time as uh, caring, as much energy and I think for women who grow up as little girls being told, oh, you have to be nice, you have to let, you know, all of these things. And we have that ability in our late follicular phase, so just after our period or towards the end of the period and just up and around ovulation. We have from a hormonal perspective, estrogen, which is like, I have the energy, I feel nice, I have the capacity to deal with all these different things. From an Ayurvedic perspective, we have the build-up of kapha dosha, so the earth and water element that builds up our endometrium. But it's also the, the uh, dosha that kind of gives us strength and endurance. It holds more, it can hold more. So it's a natural time for us to be able to do all these things, and we probably do a lot more than if we were completely linear mm. and we didn't have a cycle, because if we do too much, then things will change. So you know, after our ovulation, we start to the hormones drop, things change again from an Ayurvedic perspective, and um, and that's then the time when we're like, no, I don't want to do this or. Actually, this really irritates me and I, I'm not wanting to do that anymore. So it's like, um, it's such a, a, a challenge to not being able to celebrate that time, you know, or when we then have our period and we are tired or we feel we can't do much or we are just feeling a bit achy or exhausted, um, which is natural because things are changing and it will feel worse if you were kind of overcompensating at another time in your cycle. Yeah. So I think it's, it's absolutely, it's the thing of we have to be the same all the time
0: and we are not. No, are not. I think that the conversations are changing, but I'm not sure yeah. it's um, culturally wide conversation as in it happens in schools or the workplaces. There's just not that understanding and knowledge of it yet. Um, yeah. I think people are aware generally of how, you know, they work better in the morning or the evening, but I th- I feel that's just often that is the conversation. It's not, I'm having a really productive week this week. I'm going to nail this, this, and this, or actually yeah. I'm feeling a bit lazy this week. I just, I need to do stuff, but I need to be a bit more insular <laughs> or quiet yeah. or, um, it takes time and it, you know, like you say, even having a period after how many years, it's still learning how it can work because it's not the same in each stage of your life, is it? It changes. Yeah, and that's absolutely, hmm. and it changes as well. And how I, I
1: really believe how you feel about your cycle. Um, obviously there are complications that we can have. We can have different imbalances, mm. but I do really feel if we understand it better then things will change so it's it's that thing of if we feel like we have lots of energy but we overdo it then when we have the natural time when we are more introspective or need more rest that will be heightened even more because we've been overdoing it and um and i think those are the things that from you know what i want to educate in the book is that we celebrate all these different faces and they're all valid and there's not a face that's better than the other it's just different and there are uh, positives in all of them that we can kind of go into because it's the same in our yoga practice you know you're supposed to do the same practice throughout the month you know there's no, nothing just do the same thing and And then you're like well i feel really clumsy the last couple of days you know and then you get annoyed with that or you feel really tired or you're on your period and you really want to to do something but your body is just feeling just exhausted and and not really wanting to do it and and again you can look at your cycle and then go okay this is my cycle this is me this is what's happening and then adjust what's around you so you can adjust your yoga practice according to where you are in your cycle um as well or even just if you are in a class obviously you do the same class as everyone else but your intention can be like say in the follicular phase late follicular phase you know you have that cathodosia you have the estrogen which is helps to build muscle good for muscle repair good for our confidence you know you you go ahead and you feel great and you do all these amazing variations of fancy poses and it feels really good and then 10 days later when you're kind of in your late um neutral phase before your period and estrogen has dropped progesterone has dropped everything is just down and maybe there's a little bit of so from an ayurvedic perspective we would say pitta dosha starts to increase so that's a fire which makes sense because our body temperature is higher okay. but maybe we get more irritable or we our mind is is just not the same focus or we get distracted or you know t- so that time maybe we don't have the same energy or the same strength, but we can really work on technique so we can get it get the strength, you know, after our period again, we can get that power. So we can work with all these different energies.
0: Have you noticed um by teaching around these cycles as well, have you noticed that people do feel like they have permission to adapt it in your classes too?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think if you give that permission you know, you will see it change. And sometimes what I would say in a class, it's, you know, if you feel, so I often talk about the solar energy, the sun energy, which is more active and dynamic. The lunar energy is more calming, building and soothing. And so if we take that in, educate our students, or if we are yoga practitioners and go, well, actually... I have the solar energy, I can use it. This is my variation. Or as a yoga teacher, you can say, Well, if you feel more lunar today, you do the variation with the knee on the floor, or you know, just take a softer approach. But if you feel you need that strength and power and this you need to activate that solar energy, then you know, maybe you go a bit deeper, maybe you take a longer step, maybe you bend the knee a bit more, or whatever it might be. Mm. And I definitely see, you know, you can see people change. Um, And I think that's it, because for yoga and Ayurveda, it's about the individual and empower the individual to take responsibility.
0: Definitely. And also just your talk about um, the lunar and the um, solar aspects of it. I thought that's a really nice way of talking about it. I often talk about um, just listening to what's going on in your own body today. But I like the fact that you have a name for those kind of you know are you feeling fiery today then we can maybe add this option if you're feeling needs to go a little bit cooler a little bit more lunar and um, then maybe take this variation like that
1: i think it's a bit, uh, quite accessible way to to kind of give options mm. it's not an option for an advanced person or beginner it's you know it's like you can be really advanced having practice for your whole life but today you need the lunar energy of you know, not going so, well, you go deep in a different way, you know, it's, so yeah, I like that, that language I use quite a lot, because it, it just gives a, an option exactly for that, for when you can use that fire, because we need that too, and I think sometimes when people talk about womb yoga, or hormonal yoga, or menopause yoga, it's very often, very restorative mm. which is something we need we all need the restorative definitely but it's not all about that you know we need active as well we need to ignite our fire we need to create strength in our body um, cardiovascular health muscle health bone health and if yoga is the practice movement practice we do to get that we still need it. Mm. You know, we still need that in our practice. Um, but absolutely, we still need the restorative. We still need the relaxation. Uh, but most of all, we kind of need to, to learn to listen to what is going on in the cycle. Our menstrual cycle is such a good compass to, to
0: tap into that. I also think there's a, an element of inclusivity in that as well, that like using the solar and the lunar. Rather than referring to hormonal changes, as I just think that the cycles affect not just women, but it affects men as well. It do you touch on men at all in the book in the, the cycles. I know this is specifically about it's menstrual specifically
1: cycles. It is specifically about the menstrual cycle. Mm. Um, and so I don't, I, I talk about female physiology. And, uh, but even within female physiology, there are, people who don't have a cycle um or you know maybe they don't have a cycle because of hysterectomy or they are in early menopause or have take medication um so there can be a lot of reasons why there's no cycle mm. or even you know taking hormonal contraception uh, there is Semi-cycle, depending on what hormones you're taking, mm. um, but and then if you're postmenopausal, you don't have a, a an actual menstrual cycle any longer. So the the kind of the the other format you can work with, which I talk about in the book as well, is the actual moon. So we sometimes talk about our my moon is my menstrual cycle, but the moon is the same pattern so you can work with the moon and you know if you have a class you will have people who've never been menstruating you'll have people who are on their period people who are ovulating people who are in the luteal phase people on contraception people who are menopause perimenopause so you have everything like that so I think like you say you have people and you have men who do not have that cycle but you can still they everyone will have times when they need because of the external environment or the stresses or whatever else is going on in their being they will need a more lunar energy practice or they will be drawn to a more solar practice so you can you absolutely have both options
0: it's funny you touched on the moon. I think I was going to ask you about that as well because I think it was during lockdown that I started to become more aware of my own cycles and I got a couple of moon diaries that I was looking at and I started to kind of just track against that and it was quite interesting just to see how it was and it is very similar to your menstrual cycle and I think mine's not quite tracked with the moon as some people say it might be or... There's all sorts of um, books and information on that as well, isn't there? But I thought it was just very interesting to use it as a guideline and, and see where it was. And like you say, the moon cycle is very similar to the um, like the luteal phase, not just luteal phase, but the whole menstrual cycle. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that's really interesting. And I think if
1: you work, um, if you as a teacher or even yeah as a teacher, if you want to teach around this in a group setting or like a womb yoga session or class you could use because everyone will have a different cycle within your community Mm. you can use the moon and from an ayurvedic perspective we would say new moon is the beginning of the cycle the moon is hardly there you can't see it so it would be the first day of your bleed your first mint on your menstruation and then the moon grows like our endometrium will grow and so The growing moon, the waxing moon becomes full moon, which is like ovulation, the fullness glow of the moon. And then the moon becomes smaller as we prepare to release the endometrium um, or the endometrial lining when we then come back to our menstruation again. So we can use that cycle as a guide. But I just want to point out that most of us we don't have that cycle, <laughs> you know. So if you're like, "Oh no, I don't have that cycle," and um, and we don't, you know, because we have we have light pollution. If it was a thing with the moon, we have light pollution, and we have other stresses. We're not connected to nature in the same way as we were. In an I, I, I do know one uh, Ayurvedic teacher or vidic teacher rather that i've kind of been studying and she's very kind of this is the ideal cycle um but for most of us the 29 and a half days you know some days it's or some cycles are 26 days some are 30 or you kind of move between the moons as well so um so just to say it, that's, that's
0: i think that's very important possible. yeah because I, I think if i <laughs> because then you might think actually I want to have a, an ovulation that sort of matches with the full moon or with the the new moon and I think that's that's pressure that we we don't need in our lives and like you say yeah. the cycles can be so different and I love the fact that you talk about the celebration of the different phases as well I think that's something that we don't do enough about
1: <laughs> yeah I want I just want to say you know it we are everyone is different and I think in our kind of our modern life, it is very different. And we sometimes have these very long cycles, very short cycles between each period. And sometimes the periods are short and sometimes they're long. So even within that, there are deviations, like if you have a lot of vata, vata is irregular. So probably your cycles Mm -hmm. will be irregular. Vata is very light. So maybe your cycles are very light. Where there's pain, there's usually vata. So you know that's kind of a typical better cycle. Or you know, cathedosia is slow and heavy, so maybe the cycles are longer. Maybe there's more heavy bleeding, or pitta being hot and kind of quick. Maybe the cycles are shorter or more regular. Um, so they are. Um, changes and certainly how we feel and what's going on in our lives, our diets, our routine affects it. But the well the point I wanted to make around this is that our cycle is a sign of our health. So if you usually have um, say 27 day cycle and your periods are usually five days uh, long, with not too much pain and then kind of just feels very easy. And then suddenly your cycle is 20 days or suddenly your cycle is 40 days and you're hardly bleeding or there's lots of clots or there are lots of pain, then it's not Mm. normal. So I think it's worth kind of considering... There's a scope for normal and healthy, but beyond that, there's something that's imbalanced. There's an imbalance, and that can be something you need just to get checked out. Or it can simply be that that imbalance is that it's not a simple thing when you are stressed, but maybe we accumulate or there's excess pitta dosha or excess kapha dosha, something else that goes on that we Mm -hmm. need to look at. Um, and I think when we, when we look at our cycle, not just our period, but the whole cycle as a sign of health, one of our vital signs, I think in Canada, now this menstrual cycle is a vital sign, just like our temperature. Yeah, temperature is uh, one, you know, we, our blood pressure is one, heart health, so we, and respiration, but the menstrual cycle is a healthy sign so if you suddenly don't have a cycle you're not ovulating or you're not having a period something is mm. wrong somewhere and it's not just it's normal sometimes that happens no it's not normal you know it's normal when you start your period and it's normal in perimenopause that there are changes but in between it's not a normal thing something is imbalanced or super heavy periods is not a normal thing. It's maybe very common, but it's not it's not a healthy cycle. So we have we can have heavier periods and some have lighter periods. But there is uh, we have to also consider that it's your body that's telling you something, and that's something that's worth listening to. So I think that's really important as much as we want to celebrate different kinds of cycles as well. Absolutely. But also consider that our this is it's such a good indication of what's going on in our life.
0: Definitely. It's very, very true. And this all comes back down to listening to those changes and and knowing what's common for you and what's normal for you and what's slightly off kilter. Yeah. And this is why it's quite important to perhaps even have a diary of how you are and just check yeah. in against where you are in your cycle and if yeah. that's normal for that period of time um, or if there's something it doesn't feel quite right. And I think sometimes you know, don't you? Although, if you're quite busy and there's lots going on, you don't really have time to tune into yourself, you, you, you miss the signs sometimes, I think, because you're so either. busy trying to get things done and focus on something else that it takes time to kind of step back and and check in and tune in with your body and that's yeah. something i've noticed i've become more aware of since i've really started to do yoga i think you sometimes you can get through life and ignore your your body in many ways and then when you start doing yoga the you sort of taught to kind of listen to the sensations and what feels right and then you might start to notice these sensations and you might not really want to pay attention to them but it's important to notice whether it's something that needs attention or something that's just a niggle Um, and even the niggles can be a warning sign of something can't they
1: it's like a little whisper from your body saying I'm not quite sure I mean and then like we say in yoga as well you know some uh, sensations are really good it's like your muscles are working or you know, it's it's just an unusual position. And maybe that's actually quite good for you because you're not used to being stretching in that way or open in that way or moving in that way. Um, so those, it's the challenge. I think this is like the continuous journey in life. Knowing when that, that discomfort or that intensity is like, no, this is good for me. It actually feels like it's good. And knowing where that intensity is like, no, no, I have to back off or I need to, change things mm.
0: uh,
1: and that that I think is that you you're the only one that can learn that you can't get that in a from a yoga teacher that's you as a yoga teacher you can encourage that inquiry but you yourself is the only one that can make
0: that judgment definitely and it's continual work in practice exactly um, but worthwhile I really want to ask as well about how you've kind of developed the book into chapters what's where did you start with that whole process
1: I have to say because I have lots of ideas and so kind of getting them into a bit more of a um bit more order it's not always so easy, but I think working with a publisher is actually quite good because it was like I had to write the chapter list. And actually, it for me, that was very good to just bring all the better ideas. That's kind of jumping one direction, the other direction that made it a lot more focused. So it is education. So there's a lot of education. So it's uh, in three parts. The first part is kind of the background the backbone the, the kind of the the foundation to understand the rest of the book so mm. there's an introduction to Ayurveda for the purpose of the menstrual cycle and yoga so okay. that's kind of the it's very focused on that but enough for us to really understand it uh, So Ayurveda the doshas kind of the philosophy around it and why Ayurveda and yoga are so connected and then we talk a bit about the moon as well so the actual uh, the actual moon in the sky <laughs> and then the second part is uh, anatomy and physiology and i talk about the different phases of the cycle uh, so we generally say you have your menstruation the menstruation is part of the follicular phase but i kind of put menstruation then the follicular phase ovulation and then the luteal phase which becomes uh, just before menstruation. So we'll talk about those four phases in depth, both from Western perspective with the hormones and the Ayurvedic perspective of, and I focus on the doshas and the five elements uh, in the book. So that's kind of the the second part of that. Uh, so everyone has an understanding of it, because again, for most of us, like I said in the beginning, you know, for me, it was like your menstrual cycle is whether you have a period or not. That's kind of it. And um, so mm-hmm. that kind of goes into details with that. The third part is, um, is kind of the more practical part. So we will we talk about the four phases and each phase is like, so if you teach or practice yoga at the this specific phase, what would be a good thing to focus on, um, or if there's anything to avoid and we we'll look at uh, some research as well why do we do these things uh, and it's a research i don't think in Ayur- ayurveda, or ayurveda you don't need research or, or research that yes it is now because they've been around for thousands of years so we know they work it's also interesting to see when scientific research backs it up so i, I do like a bit of research too so it's reassuring
0: is yeah. isn't it just to yes yeah, it's just <laughs> have like ah
1: oh, yes it is working mm. for the skeptics so we look at that and so for each phase of the menstrual cycle uh, i have a little kind of not i'm not going into fertility yoga but if someone was trying to conceive you know what at each phase what would you then consider so that's one part the other part of, of Part of it is we have a whole section about common, I'm going to call it common complaints. I always wish there was another word, but Mm -hmm. some of the complaints we talk about, like premenstrual tension or uh, cramps or endometriosis or polycystic Mm -hmm. ovary syndrome. So we talk about those things, again, from a Western perspective, Ayurvedic perspective, and what can we do from a yogic point of view? As yoga teachers and yoga practitioners, what can you do? And within this uh, section as well, we have for well, this part of the book. Uh, we have a little section on rejuvenation, which is a big part of Ayurveda. Uh, and I think part, something that is probably quite good to consider in our stressful lives. <laughs> Why is the importance of rejuvenation? And relaxation so important there's a section on perimenopause and menopause just to kind of tie that in with when our cycle changes and eventually it will stop
0: so that's kind of the, the different parts of the the books fantastic well, there's so much to talk about isn't it it's with, with any topic i feel like once you start to delve into it there's just so much more and i know I've noticed you over the last couple of years, it must have been really, is starting to delve away. I know you were doing lots of research and having study days and getting inspiration. It was quite fascinating to see um, that process as well. How did you organise your time to go off and research? Did you find that once you'd written the chapters, um, you could then go and do a little bit of research on that particular area? Or was it... Was it like as difficult as it was to try and get all that information that was in your head and try and organise it into um, different sections?
1: I think I had the inspirations for the different sections and knew what I wanted to share.
0: Mm.
1: And within that sharing, then I would go and like, I wonder if there is a research study on this. And then I would look on the different kind of medical journals and see is there anything from that. Most of the things from an Ayurvedic and yoga perspective, I would be like, I know that is what in one of the classics. So trying to look it up in the classics to to just check what it actually says about that specific topic or area. Um, in Ayurveda, we I have lots of books on Ayurveda, but there are kind of three. Main classical texts that I would refer to, um, and and they are kind of they are the, the classics that any Ayurvedic student would um, would always go back to. Um, so I would check in those ones just to see what does it say in in this one, what does it say in that one, and you know does that correspond.
0: And does it differ much from Western medicine? Is there a lot of difference between Ayurveda and Western? Or are there sort of similarities and complementary thoughts around it?
1: There are complementary thoughts about it, as in, I mean, the research. Well, <laughs> the research in Western science is not really that much. You know, there's not oh, wow. that much research because it's just so complex the female cycle is very complex and you kind of read one study and then you read another study that completely contradict the first study
0: that must be really hard if you're trying to do the research yeah. and write about it as well <laughs> it's
1: like the research from this book feels current at this at the time of writing i think i've <laughs> something similar somewhere anyway and you know at most research in general are done on male participants, not on female, because then suddenly you have to look into how things work on the female bodies. So this is a whole other subject, but absolutely influenced the book, because again, this is one of the reasons I want to write the book, because it, you know yoga books, yoga teacher trainings, is all very generalized, and it doesn't even touch on the, the menstrual cycle. Or maybe it will say, don't do this when you're on your period. Yeah. You know, it, <laughs> That's the one thing I remember. <laughs> don't do this on your period. But it doesn't say why. It doesn't say, you know, so there's not really, you know, or rest on your period, but it doesn't explain anything. Western signs, they are absolutely parallels like... For me, I can say, okay, we know oestrogen rises in the follicular phase. That makes sense from an ayurvedic perspective. We can say that kapha dosha increases. That makes sense because research says that muscle, building of muscles and muscle repairs potentially improve during the follicular phase. And that would make sense from the ayurvedic perspective because of kapha dosha. So I can kind of draw parallels like that. Yes, we are tired during the, the menstrual cycle and we have the release and the endometrial layer and blood releases. Or oh, well, that's like a Pana Vayu in Ayurveda. We think of the downward force of menstruation is governed by a Pana Vayu and that is what's active at that time. So we, I can draw parallels like that. But like, western medicine you know now things are changing because there is more research in in the female physiology and the the cycle Um, but also the ayurvedic classical texts are mostly written or the written versions of the written transliterations and commentary also done by men it's difficult from both ways to kind of move beyond that kind of go a bit deeper what what was the experience of the the people who actually had a period or had the cycle what was their experience um but there are absolutely parallels absolutely the the big difference would be probably of the lack of understanding from a western point of view if there is an issue around the cycle Quite often, the remedy would be to stop having a period, meaning you're on hormonal contraception. So we just stop having a normal period. You're on hormones. You take a break for seven days, which means you kind of have a... It's not a period, but you're bleeding because of the withdrawal of taking the same hormone through the other three weeks. And then you start again. And there's even the kind of new guidelines are that you don't actually have to take that break there's not really any reason for it although when I talk to gynecologists they're like well actually if you don't take the break you'll start to just have breakthrough bleeding anyway so that kind of depends but it's not you stop your cycle where from an ayurvedic perspective you're like well if this if your cycle is not the perfect cycle, they have a whole kind of this is the perfect cycle, this is the perfect signs of menstruation, and if that's not like that, it's because there is an imbalance. So what do we do about the imbalance? So that that's a big difference because in Ayurveda, it's never just or oh, take this pill. If something is not in balance, we try to remedy the reasons and then your period should come back to normal or the pain should decrease Mm. or the heaviness should lighten so that would be the the main kind of differences
0: interesting and I i think you've touched on something there as well which is is quite big at the moment and is getting more traction Cross medical studies, and interestingly, just my own point of view on this is that it's almost like we've we've done the medical studies, and we've only really kind of studied around men, and you know maybe a small handful of women, because like you say, it's complicated. And rather than bring all those different factors in, it's like oh no, you we haven't got time for that. We just want to make sure we get a cleanish study and almost manipulating the results. Yeah. I think one example I can think of off the top of my head where they are changing it is the crash test dummies I think they've just recently carried out crash test dummies with female bodies instead of the male bodies yeah (laughs) which I thought finally it's happening and a recent discussion with a friend just in the differences between two countries so France has a much better health system for women um, and they seem to have a better understanding of Uh, menstrual cycles and menopause and just female health in general and from pregnancy and postnatal support as well whereas I think over here I don't think we're as good Um, and for example just talking about contraception there apparently you know over in France you can get maybe 20 different types of pills that you can get and over here I think there's maybe three or four that are common because we are so different one person might be great on one form of contraception and another person might have a completely horrific experience i really feel like we've got a lot of work to do over here <laughs> a
1: lot of work and like you're saying in research as well and i think now it's coming out and but it's very recent that it's like okay for research there has to be a not for every research but in general There has to be a certain percentage that is Mm. female. That's new. You know, it's
0: That's crazy, isn't it? It's
1: Yeah, yeah. And I think now as well it has to be, maybe there's some journals where it has to be in the in the hitting, because otherwise we would just say, you know, this heart medicine improves survival rate. But now, really, in certainly in one journal, it's like in men or in male participants. Because, again, that there's so much in medical research that medications that's tested all on male participants. So the female has a very different experience and it's life threatening, basically, because mm-hmm. we are given what another physiology is made for. Um, so
0: there's absolutely a lot to to do. Yeah, and I think also you touch on the how we are in different parts of our cycle as well. Mm-hmm. I think depending on when you were to enter maybe a medical study, depending on where your cycle is going to have a huge impact. Yeah. Isn't that fascinating? It's
1: so And it's, it is amazing because there are researchers out there that's like we have to sex-integrate studies as well as finding out where people are in their cycle. Are they naturally mm-hmm. menstruating? Are they on the pill? Are they, you know, what where are they because it will have a huge effect and I think you know recently with COVID uh, both the vaccination and actually having uh, COVID because that wasn't studied around the menstrual cycle at all and it was quite interesting because when I wrote the book I just wrote there are some you know potentially effect but nothing at the time and now there are studies that show that having COVID or having the vaccination does affect our menstrual cycle. And yes. I think that's one of the things that's now like, oh yeah, that was a huge effect. Where where have we not taken that into account in other medications or surgery or mm. um when we we try to diagnose diagnostic skills, where do we not take that into account and really we should.
0: Absolutely. Do you know, there was something else that popped into my head earlier. I was like, I wonder whether I um, should ask that question around COVID and the impact on the cycles, because I certainly notice mine did fluctuate, actually, a little bit. But then during that two years, I also noticed, and I don't know whether this, again, is just having more time to be aware of what's happening within my own body and there's less distractions around Whether I was impacted by COVID or whether I was actually impacted by my cycle, I started to notice. I just felt quite sick around the time that I was ovulating, or sorry, menstruating, not the ovulation period. I thought that was a new thing, but I actually think it was just something that happened over a period of twelve to eighteen months, yeah. and then it's just sort of disappeared in the last six months. It's not been a, a thing, so yeah. But that happened to be around. When I captured captured it, <laughs> when I caught COVID, but also during the um, the vaccinations yeah. as well. So, yes, we we will never know. <laughs> yeah,
1: well, I mean, it will be interesting to see if they do further studies or if they develop vaccines differently, and they start mm. to look into that a bit more. And I hope that that is a concern, especially since there was such a, a kind of outcry of of people going no no this is my menstrual cycle has changed you know this is different it's not just a bit of COVID lockdown anxiety this is something different Mm. Um, and I think I really hope that it's it's one of the things that'll go okay when we do a vaccination maybe it's a good thing to study how it affects the menstrual cycle
0: <laughs> yeah and it's good to ask and also I, I did actually um speak to a medical person about this and I essentially got laughed at yeah yeah <laughs> and I I tracked um over a period of a couple of months as well so I wasn't just sort of going oh you know this has just happened this month yeah. if it's not your normal and you know it's not right yeah. then you know you need to ask that question yeah and sometimes we don't always get the empathetic ear that we feel we should have yeah. so if you don't get the right response first time go and ask again
1: <laughs> yeah and I think you know what what you just said as well you you track your cycle or you just make little notes and it is really powerful because then you can go like oh I felt a bit sick this cycle I feel a bit sick on day two three and four what's that about mm-hmm. oh, I was sick during that time and, and you go back and it's like, oh, I, I felt like that last month as well or in oh, the month before. So it's not just like a one-off. It's not because I had food that was bad or, you know, anything else. And I, I don't know enough about the vaccinations or the virus to understand how that could impact digestion. But for sure, if we consider the movement of a vayu If we consider the fire, the pitta dosha and how that affects our digestion and the digestive fire in our stomach. And it's the stomach if we feel sick, it's in in that part. So I can absolutely see how, you know, if something is off, that it could affect you. So you would feel nauseous or you would be sick or, you know, have indigestion so yeah it's it is very interesting, and it is just like there's so much we don't know yet, <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah on a positive note on studies and changing, I'm sure I read an article this year, um, and maybe even listened to an interview with someone with athletes and how they were actually trying to track their training against their cycle and I thought that's a great place to start and I think if you can start with something that's quite an obvious response and see that in a physical terms I think that starts that conversation I think that's really interesting I love but then that this is where it gets complicated though isn't it because then you're thinking right well actually I can't do my competition on that day or I don't want to do it because I'm not going to be at my absolute peak I think that's where it can possibly get a bit contentious.
1: <laughs> it is. and um, But absolutely, there's a lot more studies around the cycle in sports sciences. And a lot of the mm. research I've done is looking at research and studies in sports science. I know yoga is not a sport, but the physical impact, that was the, the only place I, I could go. And there is mm. a lot of really, really interesting research around how sports and our cycle affects our the rest of our, uh, our body. And yes, absolutely, you know, there's, you can say, oh, well, I know that's not my optimal time. And that's different for everyone as well, because for some people, the low hormone phase, which is when we have our period, if you have a very comfortable period, then that could be your best time, your mm. personal best. And that's why the whole menstrual cycle tracking and understanding the cycle is so powerful because if you don't overdo it or you kind of follow what's going on so you could do, you know, the the techniques and and all of that, like in your premenstrual phase and pace yourself with your weight-bearing exercise in your follicular phase, you know, maybe. And not just that because... I know in in my book, it's focused on yoga, but that translates into what you eat, your social life, how you kind of engage with the world and yourself. If you kind of do that, then, you know, your cycle, I'm not saying go out and run a marathon on your cycle or on your period, but if that's when the day is, you know, then focus on the rest of the month to, to create so you have enough physical, mental, energetic capacity to be at Mm. your best at that time but that means you have to look at the whole cycle not just that cycle but the cycle before that and before that and before that so it kind of you know three two or three cycles before the
0: event for sure that's interesting yeah oh i can't wait to read this book (laughs) (laughs) thank
1: you i can't wait to have it in the you know in an actual copy (laughs) that's like it's real
0: (laughs) When when are you expecting your first copy to be sent to you?
1: Hopefully in the beginning of December, I would think. Yeah.
0: You feel quite nervous about it um, between sort of just waiting for it.
1: It's a, It's been such a f- interesting process, you know, like we talked a little bit about before because then there's the research, the writing, the rewriting, the writing it again, the adjustments. And then you have the submission date, which was, I think, february or march and then nothing for months and yeah. there's such a long it's time a Long time, and then <laughs> i kind of there were you know the the proof reader looked it through then i had to read it again and send back any adjustments that i felt was wrong or right and wanted to shift around that they did and now it's like that waiting game again of like when is it coming out <laughs> but it's nice now because now i can talk about it and it's like it's nearly there
0: yeah so if your submission date was back in march that must mean you've had a really short period of time to kind of gather all your information I, and set it out i did uh,
1: i think i started maybe in may last year maybe oh wow yeah I think it I feel a bit I you know I was thinking about it a little while back and I thought well it's like nine months to conceive it nine months but to kind of come out in the, <laughs> more, in the world it feels a bit like that
0: really seems quite apt really that those timings <laughs> <laughs> so I oh,
1: think that's kind of, that that's a, the uh, approximate timings <laughs>
0: Yeah. And I, well, I I know I put my pre order in a couple of weeks ago. So, um, but I feel like I've got to wait such a long time for it. And it's coming out on the 21st of December, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Why did you choose that date?
1: you know what I'm so happy it's that I didn't choose it it was just oh wow day to come it
0: just happened <laughs> and it's
1: like oh, it's the winter solstice it's like really auspicious and I love I do I love the solstices but I do like the winter one because it's like with mm. Christmas and it's kind of bringing in new light and the days are getting longer uh, and it is that time when I like that time is <laughs> so emerging out of if the year was a menstrual cycle, <laughs> this would be kind of merging out of kind of your know, new cycle, uh, new beginnings. Yeah, I'm actually – it it was a – I didn't have anything to do with it, but I'm very, very excited that that is the day it's coming
0: out. Fantastic. Yeah. Isn't it funny? And it I don't think like – I sometimes. think for them
1: it wasn't like I, – I think it's just a date. <laughs>
0: <laughs> awesome. With the book that's coming out and you have to kind of go through this process. I'm, I'm just curious about how I know how I work. Sometimes I write something, then I go away and come back and go, oh, I really need to change that. Mm. Do you feel that each time you go back to it, you saw something you wanted to change or wanted to add? Was it really hard to kind of get to a point where you thought, I'm, I'm happy with that, I'm finished? Yes.
1: I think for me, actually, the short, that it was short and quick. Uh, in that way was very helpful because when I got it back after not having seen it for a while, there was a lot of things I wanted to change like mm. there was so much that I wanted to change and I could have written it like that or I could have done this or maybe that's not relevant or I could explore a bit more of this because a book is a living object there's there's always things you can change, there's always things that you write and it's like well actually it's not relevant or i repeated this again and so yes there's a lot that i've been wanting to change and through the process i had to change it's very difficult i i think i'm more of a in general this is done it's done and i I don't want to look at it again um and i think if i had a bit more not Patience, but if I were to read it again and again, nothing would ever happen because there would be it would be a continuous kind of ongoing project because there's always something to change, you know. Like, there are lots of little things, but bigger things, like, oh, yeah, now this research has come out, so that contradicts mm. this, or why didn't I put this in, you know, why did I not explore this a bit more? So it's difficult I think you have to be really clear that this is the right thing in this moment and that's it
0: yeah that that's a very good point I think that final bit there is what's right right now do you feel like you've got another book that you feel like you could start to write then have you got inspiration for for further topics yeah
1: yeah definitely you know I'd love to explore more of this topic but this is very specific and education from Ayurveda about the cycle. And it would be quite nice to do a book where maybe, maybe a bit lighter, mm. if that makes sense. I don't want to be prescriptive because I don't think that's right. One specific yoga sequence for uh, different phases of the cycle doesn't work for everyone. But it would be quite nice to have a book where this is a little sequence for the relation phase or these are nice self-care practices you can do maybe so I've, I think there are definitely things like that I, I think would be interesting kind of building on what this book is but on a maybe a bit more light mm. and you know there's a whole exploration about you know what happens during perimenopause or postmenopause or
0: there, there's so much <laughs> and because menopause is such a, a huge topic right now as well isn't it yeah. I think that's the conversations are happening around that which is really good yeah. but like you say I think there's all this also the discussions around the the current cycles and um, for people who are actually menstruating I think that still needs to be um, a hot topic um, but it's it's good that these conversations are happening
1: it is um, and I think if we don't talk about the cycle then how can we then transfer back to perimenopause and
0: mm.
1: I am very grateful that people are talking about perimenopause and menopause that it's not a taboo thing I do think the conversation needs to be opened up a bit more as in a bit like when we talk about the menstrual cycle and no one likes premenstrual phase no one likes menstruation that kind of thing mm and where we look at going well actually these are the different phases and it's the same thing with perimenopause it's a phase in your life that's natural and yes there can be really horrible symptoms that needs to be addressed but also it is a natural change from in ayurveda this pitta type of lifestyle where we do all these different things And things are changing. So just like we change our routine, or our exercise, our yoga, our meditation, whatever interactions we have in our social life during our menstrual cycle, maybe we can take those lessons and put it on kind of the broader aspect, which would be, so how do we change as our body changes and we come into perimenopause? what can Mm. we do to nurture ourselves because we need something different and that doesn't need, it can be in the form of hormone replacement therapy or testosterone or other medication, but it can also very much be our lifestyle. And now, you know, before we enter perimenopause is the time we, we can embrace our cycle and understand how our body is and what we need at different times. Um, so if we start to kind of prepare in a natural way, you know, not like, oh, I have to prepare for perimenopause, but then we know, we know if, if you start to feel hot, if you are someone that feels really hot uh, just before your period starts, okay, maybe I have excess pitta in my system. How can I reduce pitta through the month so mm. I'm more balanced when I actually enter perimenopause? You know, There are all these different things that we can look at and go, this is my body and I need to change the routine around it, not trying to fit into this linear landscape that we live in. How do I choose to change within that? Or how do I choose mm. to? Because I can't change, so how can I adjust the things around me? So in Ayurveda, again, we would say this is it's a natural time. And yes, if there are imbalances, you need support. and the um, medical research is not all bad you know hormones are not all bad and they can be support but also Mm. what can we do there's not a magic pill what can we do to support this
0: natural process absolutely and it's there's a lot, isn't it? Like you say, lifestyle, environments, yes. food and drink. Because yeah. even alcohol, yeah. even the smallest amounts um, can have such a huge impact on a cycle. Yeah. And I've heard people often say that, you know, sometimes they can have a couple of glasses, be absolutely fine. They do the same a couple of weeks later, depending on where they are in the cycle. And, it, it you know, they just get really tipsy after <laughs> even the smallest amount of alcohol. So it's... It's interesting how that can have a huge impact on us. Yeah. Um, I feel like that's a whole different topic that we could talk a lot more of
1: <laughs> it is because now we open that can of worms. So it's like, yeah, and then this, this, and this There's I can talk a lot about that, but up and, but, but like the menstrual cycle, you know, our lifestyle, our mental attitude, our diet, including alcohol, all of those things have an effect and we have the choice to how we want to to adapt to that that's Mm. our choice it's difficult in in a lot of societies and kind of our social engagements but that i think would be a conversation that i would like to to see you know
0: Mm so throughout this whole process of writing your book is the one thing that you really enjoyed about the process um i'm just going to fire a couple of questions so you can think about it whilst i'm asking them is there one thing that you really didn't enjoy or you surprised yourself on and then is there anything that you found out during the course whether it's a research or just maybe even something you found out about the whole process of writing a book that really surprised you
1: what, well, I I love writing just as a creative process. I I like writing because, and I think maybe this is why the book had to come out, because it's a way for me to get what's going on in my head out of my head. <laughs> and it's on paper or on the computer, but it's outside of my head. So for me, it's a very therapeutic, creative process to just write. So, so that was a wonderful process. And I quite enjoy research. I like reading research and I like to kind of look at critical research and kind of observe how you know the kind of the deeper layers rather than just reading the headline so that I really actually enjoyed and the last time I did that was during my dissertation and so I, I read research anyway but like on this level and kind of really having to to reference all the research. So that was I will say next time I write every single little bit of research I'm going to write that out very very clearly and decide what kind of format I want to reference because it's it's a it's a balance of you know the flow of writing but also having to go back again and write things the same way every time you reference a study
0: (laughs) oh yeah that must be painful if you've changed the format halfway through
1: (laughs) so so i think that that's one thing i want to have down before i start the uh, the writing process so it's just easy to do and i have the format and i know how i do it so i think that's uh, that's one of the things i learned and i found challenging And then I guess it's finding the balance of just being like, no, I'm just writing. I'm just in this writing box and go, well, actually, I I do need to stop, close the computer, go out, look at the horizon, drink herbal tea or water or something to just kind of, instead of that, the screen energy. Mm -hmm. So being able to switch off because... um, Again, you know, when, when do you choose to write? Sometimes it's nice in the evening, it feels nice and cozy. But the long-term effect of that is that it messes up your your kind of your routine and your the, the natural cycles of the day and night. Um, so it's it's trying to find not where you feel ex- specifically excited or, or that kind of oh, I'm gonna do this now because that's your imbalanced self. So when you mm-hmm. do it, when you're calmer, which is not less exciting if you're an excitable person. <laughs> <So kind of laughs> kind of finding that balance uh, has also been a learning curve. Mm. Um I think the the thing that what have I learned? Uh, yeah, just the the challenges of how little research that's done on the cycle, and now I'm just kind of thinking of sports sports research. And how contradictory it is, and the little kind of, yeah, it's a good research, but this this, isn't this could be better. I think that, you know, that is like like we we talked about earlier, it's definitely something that I think we are getting much better at, or the scientists or researchers are getting much better at. Um, But it's definitely one of the things that's still uh, in the improvement phase.
0: Interesting. Thank you very much for answering all of those. <laughs> <laughs> I was worried I'd ask three questions and I thought I'm going to have to remember what I've asked just in case. I think That's it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you so much for that. Yeah, I love that you've kind of gone through this whole process and I love that you love doing the research as well. I think that's really fascinating. And you touched on doing the writing during the evening time and that might mess up with your routine. And that just reminded me of the conversations we had on the last podcast about having the sleep routines Yes, <laughs> i just thought yeah it's, it's funny how we can ignore those sometimes when we've got something that we're enjoying doing yeah. and also just we want to get done as well we feel like we have something to aim for and i know you've done quite a bit around sleep patterns and just encouraging healthy sleep particularly at this time of year yeah I think sometimes when the clocks go back, it knocks us all off kilter. I think we all look forward to yes, we've got an extra hour in bed, but actually, it can really impact yeah. everyone's routines and cycles, can't it? Completely,
1: definitely, and it does because it is like you know, it's an hour, an hour is quite a long mm-hmm. time, really. So it does, it absolutely impacts us, and we know that because it's a problem with you know animals, the wildlife they don't know if the time's changed. So mm-hmm. they do their normal routine and then suddenly they have to adjust.
0: Um, so, yeah. Yeah, very interesting seeing that. <laughs> yeah. Well, Anya, is there anything else you'd like to add about your book? Anything that you feel like you just want to get out there? Any important information? Where can people get your book from?
1: Uh, they can get it online. So all online outlets would have it. Um, and there's you know local bookshops usually you can order it through your bookshop as well if it's not in the shop because it is a specialist book so it might not be in a lot of actual physical shops but you can book it through your 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 bookshops um, and on my website I have a whole list of uh, of places where you can order it through and it's basically it's yeah coming out 21st of December 22. And I think literally kind of Europe, States, Canada, it will be there. Australia and New Zealand can order it as well, but it will be further down the, the line. So, yeah, so it's uh, very exciting.
0: It is. And can people order it straight from your website as well, or do you have to go through the usual channels? Yeah, have for to them? go
1: through the usual channels, but I basically put up a link because... Um, of the main kind of sites
0: um i think i went in through your website actually i think i clicked on the usual and um, suspect um, and pre-ordered it there so
1: yeah it's wait. there and the usual suspect have kind of outlets <laughs> in europe and everywhere else so it can go through there but yeah com forward slash my book <laughs> that's the link Perfect. That's it. but yeah it's kind of it's it's pretty much anywhere um And, yeah, there's a a link as well, well, two links. There's a link uh, for Singing Dragon, that's a publisher. There's a link called bookshop.org, and they are kind of independent bookshops, so they support independent bookshops as well. Oh, brilliant. So they are kind of, all all the options are there.
0: (laughs) Good. (laughs) And it's good to support your independent bookshop as well. And um, even though it sounds, well... it's aimed at teachers. it does really sound like there's a lot of content in there, which yeah. I think will be valuable for anyone who's curious about the cycles and also you've just got the best endorsement ever on the book, which I <laughs> think is incredible. <laughs> so I am um, Shiva Rays read your book already as well and and given her thoughts on that, which I thought was yeah. a- amazing yeah. so
1: and I think you know yeah. for me i've had a lot of teachers uh, and she's been one of them and um, so it's been really nice that she's had a look at the book as well so she has endorsed it um, and um, my ayurvedic doctor written has written a foreword um, and again both of them dr Matthews said you know it's not yes it is for, for teachers but really anyone with a cycle like shiva said you know anyone in a cycle this is you know a way to to really honor honor those every month we go through this for years and years and years so it's it's really nice to have their kind of thoughts of or i guess their agreement of how important it is
0: absolutely <laughs> that's brilliant oh well, congratulations on you it's so good to um, see this project come to fruition and i'm sure you can't wait to get your hands on the first copy as it comes in next time I see I might just have to get you to sign it for me <laughs>
1: absolutely I will it would be my pleasure and hopefully I will do some
0: some talks or workshops in the in the future yeah that'd be really good so Anya thank you so much for joining me today Je, I guess I should really ask you if you've got any up and coming projects are you looking forward to a, a little bit of time of rest or have you got any courses online that you're um, working on
1: no, you know what, I think it's been such a strange kind of time, the process of writing and looking through the, the book again, the edits, or the proofreading, and, and now suddenly it's like, oh yeah, it's coming out, what am I supposed to do now? I <laughs> don't <You> know, <laughs> that kind of thing. So I think my focus at the moment is really to nurture my book baby mm. and uh, and give it lots of love as it's coming into the world. And um, so I think that's really my, my focus at the moment is to share that. I still do my online classes and and all of that. Um, and yeah, ho- hopefully I'll talk more about the, the everything that's in the book and share that as well.
0: Fantastic. Thank you so much, Anya. It's been lovely to chat to you again. I hope we chat again at some point soon in the future.
1: Thank you so much, Liz. It's always such a pleasure talking to you. And I know we can talk forever. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> so much to discuss. So thank you so much for having me on your podcast again. And uh, I'm looking forward to talk to you again. And if there are questions, if any of the listeners have questions, they can let me know and I can share.
0: Brilliant. I'll put all your contact details in there. Thank you so much, Anya. Thank you. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Who's on the Mat with me, Liz Daffin. If you'd like to find out more about me, you can head over to my Linktree account. That's L-I-N-K-T-R dot e forward slash l i z d a f e n. Fancy coming on the show or you have any suggestions for a topic we can cover? Get in touch. I look forward to hearing from you soon. Take care. Bye.